Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We are joined today by Mr. Fedor Holtz. We are in Vegas. Fedor is in Vienna, Austria. Fedor, how's it going? Pretty, pretty great. I had an amazing start into the day and uh, feeling good. That's nice. When you say that, uh, so many things to talk about. But when you, I, one thing I noticed about you from social, Instagram, all the different things, and, and obviously I, I work with Elliot Rowe. I know he is a big part of your life, and you guys do business as well as uh, coaching and working together. When you say you had a great start to your day, what talk, what does that mean for Fedor? Does that mean you did yoga, meditation, you ate great? Like what? You seem like a very uh, meticulous routine person. That seems a big part of your program. Tell me what that means. A great day for you. How, how does that start out? Um, so it's a bit different. Today was a bit different day. So I came back home yesterday, and um, we organized an event actually here in Vienna, like a food pop up where we created uh, some food that we sold actually like five minutes here from my place. It was pretty awesome. Like some friends came by, and. Um, yeah, so today was different because I just got home and like I was a bit in a different sleep schedule, overall schedule. So I actually woke up pretty chilled around like 9, 9.30 and then had a cold shower, like relaxed, um, met some friends here. I've actually been to like rode about 30 kilometers bike and then just um, been to the the like some swimming and just had a really nice view of Vienna. So like been to the, to the green area. So that was really, really nice. But normally my, my day to day routine is a bit different. And, and talk. So again, Fedor, this is one of the, you're one of those guys. It's, it's tough. Cause most people here are on the podcast are familiar with poker. If you're not, you know, you can search Fedor's name and, and take a look at his impressive resume. But I mean, you've been playing poker now, tournament poker since 2012. Tell everyone, give a little brief <laughs> intro on yourself for those of you that maybe somehow aren't familiar with Fedor or, uh, you know, with poker. If you know poker, you know Fedor. Um, give us a little bit of an intro on kind of just background and then how you got started in poker. Let's let's do that and then we'll just dive right in because I just want to give, uh, in case somehow someone slipped in here and doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, I started playing around 2011, then uh, played with friends for fun and then quit studies, started playing full time, wasn't really successful in the beginning, then moved to Vienna, um, started being more successful, really like kind of shaping my environment around poker and then... Um, won uh, the W Coupe online in 2014 and had made it to number one online, grinding a lot online tournaments mainly, but also sit and goes, high stakes cash game, like basically everything that was available. And then more and more and more, I've always enjoyed live poker, but more and more transitioned into it, started playing the high rollers. Then in 2015-16, made it to number one at GPI. So... Um, yeah, I had a really, really good year in 2016, probably one of the hottest ever. And um, then kind of hit a wall where I realized, okay, my expectation doesn't really match reality. So I I always thought that that kind of success would, I didn't really consciously phrase it that way, but I always thought that that kind of success would, you know, make it okay, then I can, you know, relax and like it would feel great. And I just, you know, can build the world that I wanted to have and um, i realized hey it's not really that's not really the thing that makes a difference it's more 
the process, having something that I'm really passionate about that I can do day in, day out. And I've realized at that moment that I kind of lost that. Like I was still playing every day, but I didn't really have that feeling of it's fulfilling me. It's really making me grow. And, and that's when I stopped playing full time. So I moved into just playing the highest tournaments where I really felt like I could still compete. Um, but I started experiencing and discovering new things. And so I went into investing, built some companies here in Vienna, um, now working on actually a pretty big project around um, building a community in Vienna. And then also thought about how can I give something back to the poker community because I've spent more than 10, 15, 20,000 hours figuring out the game and like in every possible way. And that's how I also came up with Poker Code to, together with Matthias. And so that's also a thing I'm pretty heavily working on right now. So there's a couple of things going on that, that, in my life. That's a lot. The po we're definitely wanna, I, I want to for sure talk about Poker Code because there's a lot of there's a lot of information, a lot of different, you know, you're, I, I'd work heavily with Raise Your Edge and Ben CB. I know is part of your crew, mm -hmm. Stefan Sontheimer, those guys. And, you know, I think it's, uh, it's one of those things people are always looking for information to soak up. And there's just so many people that love poker and so many different ways of learning. And I definitely, I, I'm very curious to, I want to get to that and make sure we cover that. But just looking back here, I'm going to, I'm going to scroll over here again. We're on a way set up just kind of on the road. So bear with me guys at, at home with the, the everything. We're, we're a little, you know, this isn't our normal setup, but we're going to pop over here and you can't see it but i'm looking through your hendon mob so just looking your first ever tournament uh looks like you got second place you hopped in it was in or first ever one you cashed it was in yeah Razadoff. Yeah, so you get second place you then play your next tournament you get first um some five hundred dollars yeah i remember all these tournaments man it was like beautiful how is it it's got to feel cool look i like the head the head and oh, is a cool thing to look back and just see the travels and the flags and the experience yeah. and grinding but at this point in 2012 were you were you already like were you starting to crush online and just sort of venturing into live or is this still like you're learning and, and just sort of getting your beak wet or at this point were you already really like doing well and like established online it's interesting because i know these early tournaments better than the the middle ones like if you ask me about like any of these moments, I know extremely well. Like I was basically playing like a forty dollar average, like thirty five to fifty dollar average buying online. I was pretty deep in makeup. I had a lot of deep runs all the time, but was just constantly bricking. I also didn't have a very good mindset. I was like pretty isolated, and then in that like back in that time, and that really I remember that one because that was really the thing where. I was playing live kind of on my own. So like with friends and they bought some action and I had like a little bit of money left. And so that was like a huge thing because I cashed for, I don't like a little over 10, like 12 K or something. And then the high roller and Brad's love as well. I think we chopped it and I had, I think like 50% of that. And that was really, really the start to having somewhat of a bankroll to be like free to do something you had 50 percent of which one i'm sorry which tournament was that so both of these you mentioned like the one in rosadov and the one in in oh Rastava, you're saying you're saying the first ones ever that you're 50 of these 500 and this this is where you got a little bit of a roll going off that 20 yeah. score. i mean i was i was you know i had less than 2k bankroll at that time and uh i was playing a lot online so i've been playing quite a lot already i've i've actually cashed some other tournaments so i've been playing live poker um but it's like non uh, non-hand mob tournaments right 
Um, wow. So yeah, I'm just, for me, it's fascinating. This is the kind of stuff I love looking back on these because, like you said, you remember the early part more, almost in the middle. Obviously, the, the historic run. What the, what you did maybe never has been. I mean, maybe the, the Bonomo. Uh, you could talk about Dan Coleman in the mix. These type of sun runs where it's just everything's going right. But was was there a turning point that gave you some confidence? Or, or for me, it's so interesting. The study, the behind the scenes. You, you hear about these runs, but. What was there something like something that clicked or was it a friend? I know you obviously surround yourself. Your poker group is so strong. You guys, you know, your, your crew, um, you know, you can name some of the names, but it, that's yeah. such a way of learning. But was there like an epiphany? Was there something that you said you kept getting deep and couldn't close it out? Was there like certain little areas of the game? Is there one thing or a couple things you could attribute to a big shift in the way you, you looked at the game or, or approached the game? Where almost like now you were deep and you're like, all right. I was doing this before it wasn't working. Now I'm going to kind of do this. Um, I, I don't know if that it's it, it's sure it's not that simple, but is there some kind of advice or something you could say to maybe people out there that are that just feel like I just can never get it done or or I'm not saying to give your secret sauce, but give me like a little yeah. something. What 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 maybe shifted for you? So you can really see it in the hand up somewhere. I mean, I mean, I can tell the story with that. So basically 2011, like, you know, like playing super low stakes, like couple hundred dollars bankroll basically on like 1k 1.5k and like you know like up and down not really winning player and just like trying to get better and then in like 212 i was playing a lot of online like 180 men like three dollars and grinding them and like tournaments and then more and more moving up and then i got staked and like really got coached as well and really tried to improve and that was in 212 and then end of 212 it started like okay if I want to make it professional, like I quit studies in that year and I was like, okay, I have to switch, you know, I have to like, I have to change my environment to really support what I'm doing. And then you can see it in like 2013, I did a world trip the first four months. So I wasn't like, you know, traveling through all these countries. And then I played the um, two tournament series in Austria and I fell in love with Vienna. So I was like, okay, I got to move or like, I, I already knew I, I want to move. So I moved to Vienna in 2013 and I moved in with um, another poker player. And that was really the shift. Like that's when I started, you know, really full full mode just into poker. And you can see it in 2013. Like I start playing more live. I like start being successful online. And it switches basically where now I start getting some traction. And like, I think end of 2013, I've had made my first million. So that was basically like this like really fast acceleration. Talk to me, promo. talk to me about online and then we'll move on uh, to some of these live tournaments and how it got going. But the online poker, different climate landscape now and big changes with party poker. Obviously we're both represent party poker and believe in Rob and, and what party's doing. Um, what, give me a little bit of like, were you like an eight table, 20 table guy or did you more focus and play four? like, like when you won your dub, the, the big score online for one point, what, 4 million or somewhere in that range. What mm. were you, do you play one table or are you on a Are you playing like four or two? Give me a little bit on that. Cause that's something I've, I always struggle with myself. And, and I think it's, it's interesting. I like, I always like to hear, what some of the the top online or just players in general do because i always find it fascinating to see how they break down and approach that standpoint i was i was the middle kind of guy so i never been the guy who just grinds like even if you look up my online stats i think i mean i played a decent chunk i've played maybe 15 to twenty thousand tournaments lifetime but not like you know i mean the other guys who played the same amount of time like they played 
two, three, four times as much, you know? So I've, I've always, like, I started playing 15, 20 to 20 tables. Then I was like, ah, you know, that doesn't really work for me. So I was in this middle thing of like somewhere playing between 10 and 14 tables, but always the thing that I really took care of was my HUD and really, really not really having to think much in the situation anymore, but just being so prepared, knowing my opponents, prepping them before and like really basing my game on that. And that was really where I gained a huge amount of edge through really being prepared and having a good HUD in place. Well, speaking of that, because this is something I, we haven't talked in a while, and I have no, you know, you see the changes. I know you're involved. Um, yeah. Talk, just to, again, the online stuff. I just want to touch on, and since it's a very hot topic with party poker, the community right now, um, no HUDs anymore, and yeah. also the hand history changes plus new alias names. Tell me, what's your kind of overall stance on on that? Because those are pretty major. Um, those are pretty major changes. You know, just to, to drop in, and I've talked with Rob. A lot and just curious on where do you feel that brings the game is that something that you think is uh is the just how do you feel fedor tell us what yeah. you want we people want to hear from you on this as well i mean i i personally i've always loved playing without a hud so i i just love this raw like even today i um i enjoy i mean back then it was more focused for me on really obviously the professional side of things like maximizing um the profit but right now it's more when i play i just enjoy jumping in and really using my brain kind of to you know try to solve the puzzles and like really think about what's going on rather than just you know like then we can all just program bots and see who can program the best bot kind of so i i really like that it's becoming less like i always hated bum hunting i always hated these games where it's just about you know people don't really give action and they wait about like i feel I feel that it's really difficult to design an environment for online poker that really, you know, is like makes it organically grow and where people really enjoy. Because in the end, I think one of the most important things that's, that people forget about is like really maximizing for the fun people have too, because that's what keeps the game growing and going where people are like, wow, this is awesome. This is really fun. It's fun to play. Um, and I feel that um these changes can definitely be additions to you know just bring the fun back or more fun into the game and so i i definitely think that these are some great ideas it's also interesting to point out from from an operator perspective from you know with rob young and party poker the, the bottom line they realize they're they're the downside is more than the upside i think right if this is like everyone's like this is the greatest idea ever how much is it really going to help but the downside could be kind of uh detrimental um potentially right and also like you're saying you know when you don't play with the hud you got to play less kind of have to play a little bit less tables so that's that's just sort of makes that's intuitive um so i mean par- parties like get, they're going to give up a little bit of that in terms of the overall rake and those type of things so they're they're uh you know, i think they really the, the important thing to remember is they are doing this for the longevity of the game. They're looking to shift what's what they feel is not right, and it's uh, you know if anything, I think it's going to hurt the bottom line a bit. But I think it's got it helps for longevity and and really just the overall climate of the game. So I think that's important to remember. It's not like oh, party's trying to like get more. It's like no, they're actually giving up money. They're probably going to take a yeah. hit overall, and and that's important to realize that they're they're doing what they think is best for the game. Yeah, I really think the most important thing for me is that botting is getting punished as much as possible. So yeah. I think anything that is, you know, um, like 
yeah uh, i just think botting should be punished that's like really I, I think that's really one of the biggest things that kills the game and should be right makes sense makes sense and all right talking about i want to so i want to talk about elliot Rowe because this is now an intricate part of my life i believe so much in what he does and just in general you know there's there's so many ways there's methods to do things elliot Rowe is there's there's mind coaches hypnosis this type of things talk to me how you got tied up with elliot and why do you think that's so important because now you guys have you're in business and prime together uh you use him for uh, when you before preparation for tournaments so how, how did he specifically how did you find elliot or how did he find you I'm not entirely sure anymore. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's, it's quite a long time ago. It's over, yeah, it's like four years ago, four or five years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's been through a suggestion from someone is like, hey, you know, go check out this guy. I've always been dabbling in working with coaches before and really looking for how can I improve my game. So I think it was just a natural thing that happened. And and so you so you start working with Elliot. You do you're doing the the coaching. He's helping you get prepared. And then you guys uh, prime. So prime mind is your guys. This is your deal. It's really really cool app. Obviously Elliot's fairly he's expensive, and not everyone's going to get to coach with Elliot before they play or an hour. But yeah, I hear you saying the puzzle word. You know that's part of it, the 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 meditation and the thing. Every hand's mm-hmm. a puzzle, and you know that like how how did um. You know, how, yeah, talk a little bit about that. So you guys then got it. You're like, one day you just said like, hey, let's go into business together. Like, how does that come up? Um, it was actually, yeah, it was somewhat a mutual idea where we came from a different standpoint where I it was for me after I decided to play less poker and it was, hey, you know, what are things that I really want to share with people? And one of the things that I really wanted to share that I thought was super valuable was Elliot's stuff because his coaching is just like I... There's not been so so my way about products is mostly I only want to work with things where I feel like okay I can 100% not like 90 not 70 like 100% recommend this thing this product like this idea this so that was really I've, I've looked back and there were only you know in my in the course of the last couple of years there were only like a handful of things where I was really like man you gotta you know you gotta read this book or you gotta talk to this person or you got to test this and um so i i felt like okay my my recommendation bar was pretty high and i've recommended elliot to probably over 20 people and i i would do it again to anyone where i feel like it's a reasonable situation again because it's just been so helpful for me um especially when you're in situations regularly where you have to perform on a high level I just think these couple percent that he's, you know, improving your performance by, it's just, um, it's just value, pure value. And in, in terms of battling, you know, these days, I would imagine with you, when you play, you're not on your phone or for the most part, you're very focused, you're pre routine. I mean, these are things now that it's just amazing. And I'm super guilty. I, I kind of fall in a different category, doing a lot more content, you know, stories and, and up the Twitch and the vlogging and all that. But I, I realize I sacrifice a lot with that and the, in the, in the um, focus and, and whatnot, but how important, like, give me an, like how much of an edge or how beneficial is it to just be that dialed in? And does it, do you almost laugh? Sometimes you must see guys in there just, 
messing around in the hundred Ks or whatever, and they're just on their phone or not paying attention. I mean, at a certain level, like is that is that because it is hard to find edges. It's we're talking about Olympic athletes, professionals. Yeah. The little things go a long way because at some level, people know how to play GTO. Guys are very very talented playing. You're playing against, you know, like that to separate. Talk to me a little bit about what you think um, some of those edges and how big a deal those couple percent that mm-hmm. matter. I mean, I. So I think there's there's two specific things where it's relevant. One is the thing of you have. I always imagine you have like a, you know, you have your. In my mind, it's a room I go in, and then in this room, it's a visualization. But in this room is like everything I know about poker. You know, like and then I think about okay, how is it stored? How can I access it? And that's the first thing is everything like every experience you ever made in poker every hand you've ever played anything you know about the players you play against like all this knowledge is somewhere there and so the first thing is for me tapping into that knowledge right so there's these moments where you feel like ah i've seen this before like i you know i've talked to a person like what you know you feel a bit foggy maybe but like really having that clarity on okay i i know what i'm doing you know i have this knowledge i can access it um, and, and think it through fast. So that's the first thing. The second thing for me is being conscious about that level of excess or, or focus. So for me, really, the thing that changed when you talked about that right now, I'm not focused 100% of the time, but I'm more conscious about when I'm how focused. So I can really make a conscious decision when I know, okay, I'm, I don't know, I don't feel so great today. It's a bit i ate something it's a bit weird or like i i don't know like i'm a bit tired then i can be okay i have a 12-hour day ahead of me let's let me find that moment where i can you know relax enough to like still be focused enough like what's the optimal level of focus for me that day right right but the other way around too when i'm playing the final table is okay i can dial it up for 10 hour you know eight hours 10 hours then afterwards i'll be tired and drained but like i can keep that up on that level until that point and so this type of consciousness around my level of focus i think that's really the thing that has been changed so when i play today for example um it's i'm just more chill about it but i'm consciously making that decision and if i would make the final table of the main or whatever i would be able to dial in again and be super focused you know but i'm not i'm not like going out there again like fighting the wars i did in in the past so that's a really interesting point. I think that's that's a breakthrough I had with Elliot as well. Kind of realizing that that is, yeah, you're making a choice and just understand that because if you have these other things, you want to late register or you want to do some other things that are happening, but you're like, oh, I'll play the tournament. So just understanding that and, and going in with that, that clarity because I think that's that's really well said. I, I think that's a hard distinction to make and I think a lot of people are not not uh i don't know honest or not really being truthful to themselves when they're doing things to understand what they are deciding to give their full attention or be present and and, and go from there but i like how you broke broke that down all right i want to run through your career quick we're gonna scroll through just i'm gonna go down memory lane here and then just we'll uh talk about a little bit so i see the early career we talk about all of a sudden you hit so between this time you don't have really a large score six-figure score until uh an EPT in 2015 for for it looks like almost 400,000 but at that point you had already won a huge tournament online that was you had won the 1.4 W Coupe right so you had a bankroll you had some yeah. money going but tell me was this the first high roll you played and just and got seventh or had you played a couple before and <laughs> oh god my, my career started like I, I think I played my first like legit high roller 
where you can see the Spanish caches, like uh, in August 2014. Okay, yeah. It was a 50k in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And it was really, especially at that time, coming from online and as hungry and committed as I was, it was very frustrating for me <laughs> because I was just, you know, most of them were re-entries and I was just, you know, busting out and out and out and out. And I feel like I had this... I think I busted 10 high rollers or something before I cashed this 100k for three and not even three and a half buy-ins, you know? So it's really like a, even then, you know, it looks nice there, but it's, it was 100k. Obviously I only had whatever, like 20%, 25% of myself. And uh, so it's really in the bigger scheme of things, that was actually one of the roughest years I had 2015. Um, it looked great on paper, but obviously also you have to see all the other tournaments that i've been playing and like that like three and a half buy-ins are gone really really fast if you play a lot of the high rollers right that that's something you know that i know you've, you've spoken about before people are honest about you know it's like it is fun and people there's a lot of pieces a lot of swapping and those type of things and it is kind of hard the one thing i'll say about hen and mob which for better or worse it's it's it is a little bit hard to have the accountability, especially on these money lists now and all these things. It's like you see guys with these crazy numbers, 20, 30 million, but it's like, well, what are the buy-ins? Are they even winning? You know, how, like, so it's a very interesting to hear you say that, yeah, it doesn't show like when you don't cash necessarily. So, so this period of time, you go through a little bit of a cold spell, you you hit the score. Now you, I mean, you get it. It's like you said, buy-ins though. It's not like, it looks really sexy, but it's not necessarily that many buy-ins. Um, then you have another 50K score. At what point did you just light it on fire? Cause like, so you, so you're stuck then to, to you're actually in makeup or I don't know if you're, what, you're selling pieces or how you're doing it, but yeah. you're net net not doing so well in the high rollers. What point did you, were you comfortable? Did you think you were running not so well at that time? Were you like, I don't know if this is for me. Was there, talk to me about that process and, and how you yeah. kind of, broke out from to, to to feel comfortable and and to then we're gonna see here shortly how you uh broke into a pretty surreal um matrix vortex the, the fedor run so talk to me about that period of time and what it was like mentally to kind of move forward um the very interesting part is if you look at it in a time scope so i think um online wise I probably, I would say my peak was like 2014. It started somewhere in April and May. We've uh, rented an apartment, played Scoop um, 2014. And so I've hanged out, you know, I've hung out with like some of, the, in my opinion, the best players at that time online. And we shared everything, you know, not only playing, but also like all the knowledge and insights. And so you can really see how the results don't really show that in that sense, but um in my mind like my peak in terms of poker knowledge and, and really being you know like how well i played was in relatively to others was in 214. like i think over the course of whatever 10,000 tournaments that i played there i've had over 100 percent ROI. even if i take out like the, the big binks that i had like even if i take out like the five biggest binks i think i still had 80 percent ROI or something so it was I was just grinding and crushing online so hard. And in tournaments, I don't think there were many better players at that time. Um, and then that obviously showed in the WCUBE win, but that, you know, wasn't really the thing that I was really proud of. That was an awesome experience. But like the really proud thing was to consistently being able to like beat these games, like whatever game it was, whatever stakes it was. 
and uh, then really that transitioning into live in the beginning that was very frustrating for me because it this feedback loop was so as you can see it's so much uh takes so much longer right so in like 214 um 215 it took me quite a long time to actually get used to life like it used to to playing live to like hide like having a routine hiding tells picking up tells you know understanding the dynamics of the players like being able to so then i started watching all their videos i started looking up all their hand histories online and like work through how they play you know what because i just wanted to beat these games and i just want to crush these these live hirelers and so i think that's what it took like this you know this year 214 where i crushed the lower stakes but then uh really as well like 15 i think i was losing in 215 until like november or october so like the scores look nice but you know there's if there's a lot of like i was staking a lot of people i was buying a lot of action um i was playing a shit ton of poker and so when there's like a 25 buy-in cash it's not like wow okay i'm up 200k over the year like there's also a lot of things where you lose money that are not on the send up list. So absolutely. Well, all right. So now, now the the more now, now more exciting part. All that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You're breaking even. There's some good scores, or it's coming together. But talk to me about when you got just when it got hot. Let's go over here to yeah. let's go over to the fun stuff, man. So you're you're you get through December 2015. You're closing down the year. Looks like you go to Vegas. Um, talk to me up to that point. So 2015, you're saying it wasn't necessarily a great year up until this point. You go to Vegas, 100k buying Alpha Eight. Um, that series was uh, exciting. I mean, I played several of those. I didn't play this one. The, the Vegas ones were actually they got a lot of people. I believe those were the b- most biggest field ones. And this one, you just you take first to close here. I actually I really remember this now. So I remember I remember this is like when it really it got ridiculous starting from here. Because so you win that tournament. You you close down, go to New Year's pretty happy, and then right into January, you're just right off into the Philippines. So talk about this stretch because this this is where it looks like the career just goes wild. This is like a yeah. this is when it all happened. It actually starts in November. So I I mean it was it was really crazy how also from a mindset perspective, right? Like if you look at two fifteen, you can really see how a lot of like for, just from an emotional perspective of like i'm i really you know i want I, at that time i really want to win like 215 i come ninth in the ept main like seventh and fourth in like high rollers then like third in the 10k six max where i was chip leading then like deep run in the main where i bust in like day seven or day, day eight then like uh 11th where i had huge chip lead in the 50k super howler and bust that one and then like 25k howler where i had chip lead and bust six and then like you know it's this it's this concept is like oh now finally i'm gonna win you know one of these bigger terms oh okay and that's not happening it's it's all this stretch over 11 months like if you look at it now it's like oh okay ridiculous you know like a lot of variance in poker but when it's from the individual perspective at that time that's really been tough and so october that's when i started working with elliot like um october 2015 I remember sitting in the 25k high roller in Berlin and I come into the day at six players left and I bust six pretty quickly and I primed like I was sitting there and I was priming uh, with the tape that that Elliot made for me right before the tournament and I walk out walk like I bust in the first 45 minutes um, and I walk out of the tournament and I had like a smile on my face I was like okay I played great I made good decisions like let's continue playing and that's really where there was a shift happening that was really the moment when it was like okay now doesn't matter anymore i'm gonna play amazing poker and things are gonna turn around at some point because i'm one of the best tournament players right now and it just 
it will happen at some point. And then in November, um, in Macau, I had like a big piece of of my friend Andy who won that tournament. So that really financially turned around the year. And then, as you said, in December, like just the craziness starts. So uh, yeah. So I, is it is it safe to say? I mean, this is in this December run, and that's another thing as well. And that's kind of fun on the high on the circuit in, in particular, the high roller circuit with the group of guys are corn swaps and that. So this and that. So you may see guys that oh, he didn't have a good series, but really you could have, you could have an amazing series and you have some pieces. So that so it sounds like so it starts there. You get get a nice piece or a good run on that, and then tell me about this little back to back run. You close down 2015, you win yeah. the, the Alpha Eight, and then you go fly over. To just the, is this the first Triton maybe or one of the first ones? I don't I don't one I think, of the first yeah yeah. So you take down this one and that. I mean that's a the three million score. That's like I mean that's double what you just had back to back walk off end of the year start of the year right into it. Uh, how, how did that feel? Well, was that one special? Maybe one of the more special ones. Um, that was interesting because it was kind of surreal. Um, at that time it wasn't like I mean it was in um, Philippine. Um, currency i don't remember what exactly what it was like you know 160 million or something yeah um and so at that time i didn't even realize exactly how much i cashed like it took me like after a tournament that i realized oh that's actually three million dollars um and so yeah that was pretty surreal but like really emotionally the the 100k alpha 8 was something pretty special for some reason like really this environment around all the people being there and like the trophy in the area that was just really nice the triton i also really enjoyed it's also vegas but, too right it's yeah it's, it's that yeah, time vegas it's a five diamond everybody in the in your core and the group probably is there it's it's a, exactly you get the vague yeah. you're in vegas you can go out and really party have a good time and you just it's kind of like, like you're how old are you there you're 24 3 at the time, I mean, you're you're still so. I mean, you're, you're 26 yeah, now. Happy birthday, right? July 25th. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, man. I did a little homework before Pedro. Um, so that's so. But you're so you're like a kid. You're in Vegas. And before I forget, because I always like to ask, how, what does the family think of all of this? Was there was because it, it was at the start of your career. Was there any uh, resistance? I'm sure now not so much. Or everyone's pretty happy. But how was the early family um, thoughts on you diving into the poker world? I mean, split. So, outer family, I think they wanted me to study and like, but but mostly from the idea of okay, like you know, be secure, like do something solid. And uh, my mother was pretty chill. Like she was mostly like, hey, you know, do what you feel like is good for you. Obviously, she was a bit. She probably had some you know concerns as well, but mainly she was. And my dad was so we we um, we didn't grow up together but he was like also like you know if he, he would have supported me i think either way so that that was fine but it was more like i would say um mostly on my own like I, there was no one who was like ah you know you got to do this 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 i was just mostly making decisions by myself Right. Also, I note here that you scored a 155 IQ test at 17 in high school. So your your mom and uh, your family must have, they probably weren't too yeah. concerned. I've, I'm not sure if that story is exactly entirely true. I think I've done a couple of ones. I don't think I've done one at 17. I would have scored lower, but I think I've, I've done one when I was a little younger and I had somewhere in that area. I don't even know exactly how much it was. Maybe somewhere it was 
Definitely over 140 and somewhere around 150, but I don't remember exactly. I think it was. It was high. It was. You did. You did. You know, anyway. Yeah. You did, so I mean, the family knew you. You were. Uh, you were. You were destined for some good things. That's for sure. So all right. 2016. You are now in 2016. Fresh off, just back to back jacks. Just just knocking down big scores. You got the the heater a bit initiated. You go to Australia. Um, you're you're bumping around, bumping around, and then all of a sudden here we get back middle of the year. The 300K Super High Roller Bowl, you take second. I believe that was when Rainer Kempe, who was part of your crew, um, he got first. You guys went just walk, you know, one-two punch, no big deal. I think you maybe even chopped or something. I can't remember if you if you guys talk about that or so. And and I mean that's got to be pretty fun because not only did you did basically won it. I mean you guys did. You got the money, but it's one of your. He's in your crew and one of your close friends, right? That talk, talk to me a little bit about your your guys that people probably know in the poker world. Who is your core? Um, name some of them just so we have an idea yeah I mean so I would say the core back then is like Korai Stefan um, Rainer um, well like it, it, it's a bit it's been changing all over the years right so Julian Thomas um, he is he's also in there Ben um, Ben CB like right people. Huh? Ben CB Ben Ben Ro- yeah Ben in the beginning um, and then like it's interesting because re- there's really been some shifts in like the the crew so like then like manik and dom and uh christian christner and uh, i feel like i'm forgetting someone right now are you guys but... taking applications for the core crew I, I think that's uh those are some pretty pretty strong names <laughs> i feel like we that's always something like i feel like we really haven't utilized this enough you know it's because it was weird like when we started playing the hirelers I mean, I loved it, and I think the guys did too, that we had this, you know, close-knit group. But it had somewhat of a weird taste in the high rollers where people felt like, okay, you know, we're such a close group. And even though we never did collude or, like, play together at any point, um, it's still been, like, people have been talking about it so much that we really wanted to make sure that people aren't thinking this. So I think that was really the counter thing to where we also went you know we also kind of split up in some areas and wasn't as close anymore because we were playing all the time against each other in these like 40 player field tournaments and um yeah just somewhat can you can made you, it harder can you talk about that for a second because i'll say this so so one of my close closest friends is antonio esfandiari we've battled on some high stakes cash games played together in alpha eights um you know high stuff and he's like notorious for he, he likes to see pain. You know, there would be nothing more he'd like to do than bluff me on TV or just, you know, me get knocked. Like, it's not, and he, and we have genuine love for each other, right? Like, he's one of my best friends, but it's also kind of a weird, like, my personality and maybe to my, maybe works against me. I don't really, I'm not going to ever soft play someone. I want to bust Antonio, but I'm not going to go out of my way to, like, show him a bluff or do something insane or go crazy. So, that's got to be a little bit of a weird dynamic, right? And I'm sure different people and personalities, because it can get it can get a little personal, because there's certain spots that are not mandatory. Do you three-bet the 6-5 suited against this guy? Do you do you call here, pot control? So, it's kind of a weird thing, right? Especially when you're playing for huge Super. money with, like, not just, you know, guys that live together, maybe even have swaps together, all this. It's a little bit... uh yeah, I'd say it's not necessarily clear cut and everyone probably approaches it a little different and it is a fine line between collusion, between friendships. You know, there's got to be times where guys are like tilted or like, man, are you using this against me? Because it, it's sort of a unwritten law, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bit 
Yeah, you got to play. You got to go and bust your grandma. Super difficult. It's got to be, especially when you go home with the guy. You're having dinner with someone, and you're and you're in there three bet bluffing them or shoving all in in a spot where like, oh man, are you taking advantage of our friendship or stuff like that? I'm sure there were times where there were some sort of arguments or, or or something where people felt like a little bit slighted. I mean, I just say I just naturally, especially this isn't like the WSOP mains or the Aria, you know, 500 per. Like you're bumping in these guys literally. There might be two, three tables, and yeah. there's like five of your guys there. So like you, you know. Talk to me about that. That's actually really kind of interesting dynamic. I mean, so there's, I mean, there's so many different topics in this topic. Right. So I just kind of, just kind of thought, you know, where does it start? I'm not asking for like specifics or was there ever like a guy that just pieced out of the crew or said, you know, F you or this is wrong or whatever. But obviously I'm just saying, give me like a little feeling was there on that. I mean, so it's been a topic quite often because like, First of all, because other people made it a topic constantly, right? Like, I mean, I don't know how many people I've heard there was like, oh, they're Germans, obviously collude. I mean, from that standpoint, I I found it. So I, I know, I mean, I started in 215 staking other players or like 214 staking other players and playing with them. So I started very early consciously making an effort to think about, okay, you know, like, how does it work? How do I play against them? Like, how can I make a conscious effort to you know like take out that thought out of my like that's just like actively put that aside um i think it's training and i think it shouldn't be something that should exist like it's basically i right now i believe that when it's obvious when you play in like 40 player fields or whatever you shouldn't you should just not have that big pieces of players where it really where it really comes up in your consciousness i think that moment define what a big piece is because i mean this is true it's like yeah say you have 20 percent, 40 percent, 50 percent of a guy and you're down to you know you're on the bubble like it's like it's all it's all because that gets a little it gets a little complicated right a little i mean at some degree it's just like uh it's 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 complex um yeah so i would say anything like well, you have, uh, I think you should always have, you know, at least like four or five times more action on yourself than the other player. Right. Um, in the early days, that was a bit harder because I was full staking some players. So I had like 100% of myself and then like 50% of another player. Um, but I really think that it's important to not destroy that because it's basically withholding information to like other players and it's kind of moving ev from a group or another you know like another player to yourself or your group or whatever and i um yeah i i think it should be avoided it's just hard because these two environments somewhat come together where you have this you know buy-in environment of like staking and sharing and whatever swapping and so on and then you have the playing environment and they're both intermingled like it's a it's a difficult thing i just i just found it uh pretty absurd how often i see things where i feel it's not really being talked about i i mean it's a long time ago now but yeah um versus how i think because we were performing really well in the german crew back then it's been made a topic really really often and too often in my opinion um but yeah yeah whatever it is yeah no i I don't want to focus on it i I just it is it is a very interesting dynamic especially for people that don't live in the world um it's it's a very it's a yeah it just it's something that has to be come up or whatever i I, again i'm not looking i'm just it just uh, i was more interested on like the inside crew feelings and stuff like where there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of notoriety there's a lot of oh man yeah yeah it's 
it's um or inside the crew so basically i mean everyone you know like all in our crew are pretty driven like everyone wanted to win you right. know so i think one thing that always happens like if you have shares or not like that doesn't change is like if you bust out your mate in like a weird spot you know they have some emotions i think some less some more right yeah it's like oh and, how did he win this again ace king to jacks or you know this oh, i got yeah. cooler and it's like I mean, fuck you there's a young prince again just gonna hoist i definitely was on the end of some of these moments you know and there's i i also think there's huge enhanced subjective perception you know because they think more about oh it happens again versus like you know oh maybe i win against them this time right um but i also think that that was some and at some points i think it was also ignorance towards me just being better at certain areas and it kept them away from becoming better right but i think also um obviously that i was running better and that mixed together at some point is obviously really tough to deal with and like to yeah well like, I'll, I'll, it's also because that's so true too when you look down at you know you're the 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 interesting part on those is if you say oh fedor won ace king to jacks or whatever right the hand and, and within the crew and he runs so good but well yeah what got you why did you have 60 blinds and he had 38 blinds and you knocked them out you know it's like you're doing probably other things picking up spots i think that's always something important in poker and uh, and even just in my mindset a lot of times it's not your last hand you know it's like yeah you well you you had 20 blinds and you lost ace king to ace queen but he had 80 blinds and he's been picking up all these other pots and dominating and making good calls and then you know he just he had you covered so yeah i think that's also important to remember in poker it's like usually not the last hand that is what dictates a tournament and i'm just just kind of pointing out because i think that's something i've struggled like times i've struggled with or it's so easy to just go home and report a hand when really the tournament is not won or lost on the ace king to jacks that is what it is that's just going to happen those hands play out but it's a lot of those other hands but anyway getting sidetracked we got fedor holds the young prince here we want to i want to go through i want to hear from him i want to know a little bit more about the sun run going on here so 2016 you know those of you again who know fedor this is uh we're going through the hendon mob uh down memory lane a bit for the moment and we're in this middle of the 2016 maybe the arguably the greatest year greatest results in poker Justin Bonimo just had a type of year similar with just insane results and just seems like winning everything and you were tangled up with him during this and some of the, the big buy-ins as well um, but yeah tell me a little more about 2016 did you feel I mean there's just seven figure scores popping off the screen right now was it just like was it almost like you were going in could you feel the people were scared of you did you feel like I mean it's got to be almost like an out-of-body experience at some point like people you just feel them folding the big blind not defending you're just winning pots because Dan Coleman told me about this like kind of like he feels even especially in some of the smaller tournaments like you just see spots where guys are like right folding nine seven suited for like a raise when you're in the cutoff they're in the big blind like could you just is it like tell me what it feels like to be in this this vortex matrix i mean it was interesting because i felt this in two like even in 214 i felt that like coming out as a w group winner and then like 215 specifically i mean people got better as well you know like in 215 or 214 even like two years earlier people were significantly worse live as well and like it, it just obviously that advantage was insane like i mean you can see that in between i played a lot of these like 1ks and 2ks and 700 dollars and whatever buy-ins like just cruising through these tournaments um obviously because people were playing like super scared but also in like in that specific time 216 yeah you could really tell that um, there were a lot of emotions involved 
either it was people becoming de defensive as you described or people becoming more ego-based where that's also another scenario where they now really want to beat me or like really want to you know play back and like make big calls or whatever uh, um and then some people were pissed because i was winning all their money right yeah there's gonna be that there's gonna be that too so tell me about this what it meant for you to get off this was the the 111 one drop i remember i played this tournament i was deep with you i saw actually we played a we played a fair amount i think for, on a day or two i i got i got in the money there i was you know i was that guy just i was surviving on the bubble made it in there kind of made a run you end up going on and just taking down five million in a hundred k uh 183 person field pretty ridiculous tell me about what that felt like to win you know because it is there's a prestige with the wsop the bracelet the one drop it's for you know there's a there's a charity aspect um as well i mean it's kind of it's a, it's a, it's one of the, that that and the main event are really the two uh, the ones that, and i guess the player championship but tell me what that win was like and and to cap that off at that time just sort of put a stamp on that year for you it was insane <laughs> like I mean, I was, we were like deep with Korai as well. Yep. Um, it was just super, super awesome. Like I, I had so much fun playing this tournament, like not only obviously because of the results, but also it, just this mixture of feeling really on top. You know, I mean, I, before like just in the loop of what was that? Like two months, not even two months. I've, you know, like won whatever, four tournaments came deep and like, four others and it was just you know so much fun so uh yeah this was really the it wasn't the highlight actually because the highlight was the 50k in barcelona that was really the that was the highlight where, was the where is that part. we'll just take it from a five million dollar score to the very next tournament you take first so what tell me that 1.5 why maybe just because you had a bigger piece or or just in general i mean what you this you're saying this one was the highlight this this was i Specifically, I don't know, like if I visualize me playing poker the best I ever played, this was it. You just put on a clinic. You just walk off 50K, first place, sick ROI. Uh, and, and yeah, tell me more about what, why this one specifically. It's, it's so, it was so special for me because I, I took a break after the 100K. So I flew back home and I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I made the decision that I'm done with poker. Um, full time and I started looking for other options and um, I was like I love Barcelona always loved EPTs and I just went in there I played this tournament and I feel like I've never been more you know in the zone like this was really like the moment where I had a great feeling for the opponents I made a lot of significant changes in my game depend like because there was this thing where I feel like I feel like I have a really really good intuition for players and their play style and there's this barrier between me doing some first of all interpreting the things that i feel to like move that into action but then also um really doing it you know not kind of like rationally talking myself into like some other sphere and like doing something else instead but when i feel like sometimes it's just even against really good players i feel something i'm like okay let's do that and then I, I talk myself out. It's like, ah, no, this would be stupid. What would they think? And and in this tournament, I just did it. I was just so connected with like this feeling, and that I made so many crazy plays in that tournament. Um, and that was that's why I keep 
this as a very fun memory. That's okay. So that even though yeah, you've had bigger scores, but this one that that makes a lot of sense. Just one of those signature stamps on on a tournament. So so twenty sixteen still going on. Big sport, big score, big score, big score. Eight. You're going to Hong Kong. Some other scores. There's kind of now they're just six figure minimums basically from here on out. Uh, win some Aria high rollers, and then we. I mean that that basically so yeah that was that was at the time known as the most incredible run I'd say that in Bonomos um, and Dan Coleman those are the three that sort of stand out um, for for me and now uh, talk about the retirement thing because I know you do touch on that like this is something people I think it got overblown it's so easy to take a statement hear something and just like go off and people make jokes or oh Fedor's retired like almost like mocking you but I mean from your perspective it is you you got you stepped away from the game you're not invested every day in it you're not playing online really or not much right you maybe play some of the big party poker series or whatnot but in retirement from a standpoint of you're not no one's gonna say you're a recreational player but you're not keeping up with the trends daily you're not immersed maybe in the game but you're still gonna come and play some special events and and uh and play poker so how would you kind of clear that up about being retired per se and 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 how would you um talk about that what that means for you or or how what kind of breakdown you spend between your real like everyday life and poker now versus at its peak what was it it was it 90 10 and now it's 2080 what where give us a give us a perspective yeah so, I mean, at my peak in poker, I was, I mean, I roughly calculated, I think I was somewhat involved with anything that has to do with poker, two and a half to 3,000 hours a year. So like more than a full-time job. Right. And um, now, like afterwards, you can really see that shift. Like the moment that was August to succeed. I think from that point on, I basically only played 50k splash with the occasional 10 or 25k um and i think i went down to playing like 20 days a year or something so like 217 as you can see was a really sick year like basically you can see my whole schedule the whole year because i cashed on every trip right um so i think these are basically half of the tournaments i played um and as you can see in 218 i have not even three yeah like three caches so haven't played much all right well and, and as we kind of round out through your career here let's just finish on this last one because actually my last podcast guest was dan smith who you know this this is a million dollar tournament uh, an interesting hand i want to just touch on very quickly too there um dan was talking about this uh, on the on there but it's six million dollar score so it's actually your largest score but it's a million dollar buy-in um how, how was that you played one or two million dollar tournaments or um, one so far. Yeah. One? Yeah. So good ROI. You end up taking second to, I think you you and Bonomo, this was, uh, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of fitting to see the two guys with the two most spectacular uh, profitable runs kind of battling heads up in this tournament for the one drop title. And, you know, Bonomo's, um, I, I, I don't know, I don't remember how the chips were. I'm sure you would know. It, it was it was a, def, how was it when it started heads up? Were you ever in the lead? I mean, at this point, it was kind of flick, flicking coins, right? Like between the, the ability, you know, Bonomo's not giving anything away, but talk to me a little bit about this match and, and what happened here. Yeah, I mean, I think I was three to one chip lead. I, I mean, this was really, I felt in that moment, I remember that I felt like, okay, I'm going to win this tournament. It just really felt, I, I was, it was actually a pretty deciding moment because I knew that if I win this tournament, I would start playing more again um, because I think the difference would have been like 
I think Nigri. I, I don't know exactly, but I think Nigrianu had about like 36 million in caches or something at that time like 37 and it would have got me like within like a million caches as second of all time money list ah uh, so yeah interesting i'm going here right now and looking i see because that's an eight million swing too between right where you and bonomo so he would have had yeah. 40 you would have had 36 and then you would have actually been yeah you would have been like in third or second i see what you're saying so that was sort of a yeah it's a big big swing pendulum wise you don't get too many shots at these at a ten million dollar score, there's not many of those. So that yeah, exactly. that that's very interesting. Do you think you so you think you significantly would have been playing more? You you just would have want to maybe chase that at the moment more that 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 uh, list. I mean, that was the one thing where I really felt like okay, you know, I would. This was really the last thing that I would have wanted to reach in in that area, and really just not for the sake of like coming back to the game, but just really cashing like a million um and reaching that number one spot that really would have been something special for me and so i mean it's hard to call it heartache but talk to me a little bit about maybe all the joy and 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 then your career and at that point it's so much money and it's such an exciting time anyway but was that did, did that actually I don't want to say rattle you, but was that like a, did that take, like, how, were you still celebrating after that score, your biggest ever? Or? Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. not, it was actually not the tournament that I celebrated a lot because I, I think I was break even. So, uh, I didn't, I didn't, like maybe 50k plus or something. You're so saying I, based on because of swaps or, or buying pieces and stuff. Yeah, so I had like over, I think I was in for over a million in that tournament and uh, didn't go too well. So. Wow. That's none of my none of my piece. I think I had like a piece of at least a third of the the field, and none of them cashed. So um, wow! So you had to march on Lynch. It. You had to put the team on your back there. You literally had to. You, you were like sweating bullets to get that top couple spots. You had to. You were uh, you were you were at risk for exposure. Um, actually, before, I did want to ask. That's, go ahead. That's especially interesting because then the first and second difference is so much bigger, right? Like bracelet plus the the popularity like really because there's a lot of opportunities that come with it you know that give like some extra value um plus that chance of becoming number one so there were a couple things where really this was the biggest tournament in terms of making a difference for actually coming first place but it's in the past so. yes oh yeah i'm not trying to listen we're we're we, we so much positivity and i mean still it's a pretty yeah, incredible and i'm not sad at all yeah, yeah just... no i i can trust you man I, your, your energy gives it all i know you're not sad i do want to talk about the one hand from there quickly it was an interesting hand. I, I know Doug did a video on it, and I actually Dan was talking about it was actually counterintuitive when a card was exposed. I think you had Ace King yeah. versus Tens, and an Ace was shown. Maybe another Ace. Like it was unclear if it was something. Could you just talk to me through that? Because it's. Uh, I mean, it's so rare that there's actually a. The, like an exposed card that's significant. Usually it's like pre-flop or early in a tournament, but in a million-dollar buy-in with maybe either on the bubble or I think because Byron was in, right? So maybe it was six left or five left then. No, it was in the money, yeah. Yeah, in the money. But so talk to me about this, what happened, and, and have you ever seen something like this? Like, I mean, it says like serious financial implications that exposed yeah. cards worth money. And what were you thinking? Did you go into the matrix and, and have to calculate? Yeah. That, like, because was it, was there, uh, yeah. And, and are you happy with the decision you made? Would you have done anything differently looking back and maybe processing everything about that moment again? Is there anything you would have done differently or did you get it exactly right based on what, what happened? 
I mean, as you can see, I did it exactly right. Yes, exactly. And it worked out well. It was very dramatic. Ten on the river. It was yeah. all part of the plan. Yes. No, actually, um, so how it worked, I mean, he, he showed the ace because he was basically, like, he kind of lifted his cards and basically thought that he was going to fold anyway. Then he looked at his hand and was like, ah, oh, okay, you know, then he goes all in. Um, right. So... He, while he did that, he exposed the ace. Um, I wasn't entirely sure. I saw a red ace. I wasn't sure if it's diamonds or hearts. Um, and then, obviously, then I just had to calculate. There was a main part, a side part. Um, I took a couple of time bangs because there were two things that I looked for. So on the first thing, I obviously want to calculate the odds correctly. Um, given the hand range that I think Byron has, that I, ha I mean, my hand I know and range of, of uh, Solomon, and um, then the second thing was looking for him, like if he, you know, if it's more like if he feels extremely comfortable and if he wants a call or if he feels like Ace King type of okay, not so comfortable. I mean, I think the odds are pretty clear. Um, if the ace is exposed, it's like a clear call. And then I took like another 45 to 60 seconds in between to like always look for his development of behavior. I felt he was more like, okay, I got to do this rather than like, oh, awesome. I like, I'm in here. So that added onto it. And so I called and won the hand luckily. Nice. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a very interesting situation at such a high high you know the highest of the high buying tournaments a million dollar entry to have that this type of situation very interesting if you guys want to google it and take a look it's a it's an interesting spot you can just type in one million dollar you know uh the uh the fedor the fedor very uh famous hand that doug did a breakdown on as well um i we i could talk forever fedor you're one of those guests we're gonna probably have to have a repeat um podcast even but i do want to talk about poker code and then open up some questions so tell me a little about poker code and what this is how it came up i know ben c B seven eight nine. I use raise your edge. Look, I'm I'm very. I love Ben, and I know he's part of. Your, he's been a part of your crew. But there's so many great courses. I know I'm. I'm always looking for information, and I don't really know what it's about. I've seen a little bit of your Instagram. I've seen a little bit of your Twitter about it, and I think I. It, anyone would be crazy not to want to know more and check out what you have going on and get a look into your thought process. But what does it do? Are you going through studying you and your your uh, your friend here? How did that come up for you two to partner together? Talk about your relationship and, yeah. and what people can expect with Poker Code. So it's always been this thing on my mind. Like in two, I think it was in two sixteen or seventeen. I was like thinking about doing um, some content and it was it's never really felt like okay you know this is it this feels right um it's basically it's really um i always wanted to have something to point people toward because i got this question thousands of times what would you recommend you know what books would you recommend what content would you recommend and i never really felt like i could point them in one direction clearly like i think run it once has done some great videos um I think um, Ben did some good content. Um, I think there's a couple pieces out there, but I never really felt like, okay, there's this one thing that you can watch and then you understand, you know, most of the areas and you can walk back and like get insights there. And so that is basically the poker code. So I said together with Matthias Eibinger, I am best online, like one of the most successful and best sit and go players. Also now, in my opinion, one of the best tournament players um one of the hardest working players in the game 
and super state of the art so like he does all the work with the solvers and really breaking it down so that it's applicable in, in the game and so what we did is basically take every piece of the game from pre-flop post-flop live game so we mix together it's like he did all the theory the background and i adjusted that to how can you implement that into the live game how can you apply that the best possible way my life reads um how to you know spot tells how to mask tells and like all that kind of stuff and um i collaborated with a business partner actually um a friend a good friend of mine they have a learning platform so we took their learning platform and created that content with their production team is like super high quality and put that on that platform so we also have that interactive learning model where people can ask questions they can take notes on the side and so it's really this full thing where you have the best content of it i think it's really the best poker course that has ever been made and i feel confident saying that um because i also think that for every player like even the best players in the game there's something valuable in there right um and then it also isn't a really you know it's nice to watch it's like short pieces it's um it's digestible and you can dive into every area that you want to check out so we're gonna um pre-sale it soon so you can get um the first pieces i think in a couple days so uh yeah i'm pretty excited for that to release and is that so when you say that does that mean it's not the price isn't announced or any of that stuff because i'm definitely i definitely want to get it check it out and um is that have you i mean obviously that's i'm sure it's made the price but has it been talked about like what, what how does that work yeah, so it's not entirely set yet, but it's going to be in the $1,500-ish range. Um, and if you buy it before it gets released in about a couple of weeks or a month, uh, roughly time, depending on post-production and putting everything together, um, then you get a discount. So you're definitely going to get it cheaper if you buy it. If you know you're going to buy it already, then uh, I think that's a good yeah a good way to do it absolutely and and um what how give me an idea on how much content is in there like give me an idea on in terms of like you're talking so how long how much time did you guys spend filming it and, and doing together and, and all that i mean that's because that's it's a it's a pretty elaborate process these courses and to do it and upgrade and do it you know keep and go through it. it's got to be I, uh draining it's insane so I, I i love this idea of so you know it's it's us as a team working together on it condensing our tens of thousands of hours of like experience and research to sitting together for hundreds of hours to compile the course to then film for i I filmed for like a full professional team and like everything for probably like 45 50 hours to then condense that into a 12 ish hours course so uh, you'll basically get that all condensed in uh, in about 10 to 15 hours wow that's exciting actually i mean for me because that's it's one of those things like i love study i love to learn and i and it's not about it's just hard like when you're talking about hundreds of hours of footage and content it gets pretty overwhelming so you know if you're telling me if you can actually if that is deliverable which sounds like you're doing it you did it if you're telling me you can get a lot in the insight into your mind and I'm, i pronounce his name wrong i'm sorry friend it's, yeah it, it, like 10 to 12 hours like you know sign me up that it's like you can watch a, a game of thrones marathon go through I, I i'd watch that straight i think i just knocked that out in a day and go play the main so is it gonna be ready before when is it released yeah, we're not going to get it. That was our goal, but we start I mean, we basically we started in March and we've already I mean, it's already been super super intense putting everything together. But it won't be released um, in the next few days. 
No, All right, unfortunately good. So this not. is the, guys, this is the last year the main event is available for anyone to just kind of have a chance, right? After this, dude, you're going to, yeah. next year it's going to be tough, man. I don't know, maybe next no one will get knocked out. Then maybe next year, I don't know, it might be like a four-week tournament. Everyone's just going to play play perfect. So this is your last chance to, to, to win the main uh, seamlessly. So are, are, speaking of that, are you coming to Vegas? Because I'm, I'm on day yeah. two of the Aria Party Poker Millions. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Got a little Fedor podcast run good. I got a baby run good. I'm ready to rock. Where are you? You're not here right now. When do you get to Vegas? I am flying in uh, on Wednesday. So I'll be there in four days. So your plan is to play the main, play the maybe if they're out of the main, the 50, the 100K or whatnot, just a couple of those. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Fader, we already, we've already, I know you have stuff going on. I do want to, I'm looking at Instagram, the swipe up questions. We have a giveaway, Party Poker giving away a $55 ticket for these questions. So let's, uh, let's try to rapid fire, run through these, just kind of make short answers and see if we can answer yeah. uh, some of these for Fedor. And then I guess what time wise, are you okay? Do you have 10 minutes or so here? Or? Yeah. All right. Sounds great. All right, we got we got Fedor going to go through. So someone asked, I don't know what this is, the most successful distribution. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, the, po- all right, the poker besides money, which is the best thing? All right, we got some English. We got some translational issues. All right, but the po- besides money and poker, what is the best thing, um, I guess, about poker or best thing in your life? Uh, besides... Uh, all right, man, I, I got to start screening these questions. We got some funny... I, I don't know how to answer... All right. Besides the money in poker, what is the best thing in your life? Like, what what do you enjoy? I guess the okay. most besides poker. Let's just call, do that. Um, I would say seeing other people grow, growing myself, um, and football. Actually, who's your club? Who's your favorite team? Um, it's more person bound. So yeah, a couple. I like the philosophy of certain. Like, for example, I'm a big fan of Thomas Tuchel. At PSG, I uh, really like Jurgen Klopp at uh, Liverpool. I always like Dortmund. Um, so yeah, it's more the mindset of the people that run. Man, I'll tell you what, that Champions League this year, those semifinal matches were just like, I, I mean, as someone who loves soccer, world. that was the... I mean, it's it's as good as it gets. That to me was like some. I, I was watching those highlights for like on replay. I couldn't believe how intense that was. Almost yeah. seemed very t- make believe, especially to go back to back. What is your ideal environment to play poker? So yeah, you got an online party poker series. You're gonna go somewhere and just get your friends. Like I, I've seen some of your. You've done Costa Rica, a couple like really nice places, houses, group of guys. Yeah. Talk to me. Lay out. What's your dream environment? My personal dream environment when I actually play is uh, cold weather, like not too hot, like, you know, 75-ish, like not not more. Um, and that's really like any of these Central American where it's not too hot, but like you have sun all day, you know, it's like it's beautiful, depends on the time of the year. And then for live poker, I love these vibrant nice places like kind of for example the aria i really like to play at the aria where it's like you know it's cozy it's nice chairs it's good dealers it's like this is really makes really upgrades the experience yep i'm with you on that going right there as we literally right after we're done we're going into a day too so i'm excited it's gonna be fun is someone ask ogi nlh is poker is playing poker still profitable i guess let's not talk about you there because i think we can safely uh, deduct that that's that's the case what do you think in general let's talk about a young german coming up a young usa out of college who wants some supplemental income is it still profitable 
I mean, it's clear that it's still profitable. Depends on the games you choose. Um, I always tell people to not start. I think it's um, like if you really, you know, if you really plan on, okay, like this is going to be my career. I'm going to spend the next like eight, ten years like doing this. I've always like, hey, you know, maybe um, try it out, but also look for other options because I think the environment will significantly change. I think life broker is the way to go. I think online, um, let's see how that develops. But I think um, Party is doing a good job already, like making that more sustainable and, and long term. Um, but like, especially the things stars did like i was really very pessimistic about the future of online poker um so i definitely think it can be profitable depends on how profitable we want it to be right that that's yeah no i'm with you on that too and i think it is that things are always always changing and it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see how the landscape online works but um i'm the same way i i tell people on twitch or whenever i you know do something that you love and i'm not trying to sell the dream to just go become a professional poker player because it's not easy you know we've been doing a long time and it's different landscape and it's uh definitely you can improve at it but it's uh, there's something too it don't have to just be all or nothing it could be something you you work at develop and you have like a supplemental, uh, you know, it's just like a, a hobby that you could be profitable at that doesn't have to be everything. So I think that's important to to be honest with that. So, yep, I'm, I'm aligned with you there. Um, what inspires you? Good question from Bot Lady. Mm. Good conversations. Um, people who follow their passion. Um, people who really can, like when, when thoughts are really condensed, or like learnings are really condensed in like very short ways whether someone explains it or like a book or something when you read something it's just like holy shit that just changed my perspective um yeah mostly people though people who really do things that they're passionate about yep Awesome. Um, very, very true. Uh, I see see a lot of great questions here, guys. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but we're gonna we're gonna keep going through here. If you could only choose online or live poker, which one? If you could just only do one ever again, live. Live. All right. When did you realize that you could be a professional, make a living? Was there someone you saw, like a or someone you grew up with or knew that was doing it, or what? What made you think this was a possibility? Um. Two of my really close friends back then were making like a couple hundred to thousand dollars a month with poker. And so they've always been quite professional about it or like, you know, like seeing it as something you can make money with. And so through them, I adopted that perspective and I would say I started becoming serious about it in 2012. Um where did crown up guy come from this is a chat from live on our youtube feed right now someone asked which actually that's i always like to know like the 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 uh, handles where did people get their handle it was like there's no there's no really good story behind it it's just a pretty random thing of like grown up um because i've always been the like young small guy in my like everywhere so uh that part and then the crown in terms of obviously winning trophies and coming first place so positivity i like that that's that's good yeah, yeah. like positive uh, fruition there um how is poker code different from the other master classes and courses give me a quick what what separates yours why is yours different you did touch on it already but like what would you say the biggest difference between some of the other courses you're familiar with and actually have you done any other courses or i'm sure you've looked at them and even just to compare yeah. so how would you say that separates the two i mean 
let me say it like this so a lot of people ask me specifically for you know how have you done this or like i think every player is individual and if you want to learn how i play poker and how i think about poker there's only one person who can tell you how i think and how i play poker and that's me so that's what makes it unique is because i've never shared any content besides like one or two videos around how i play and how i think and that combined with matthias where he also dropped like all his knowledge around how to basically be the toughest players in the world right now that combined you just have nowhere else like compared to that most other courses are just entertainment there you go that's i mean pretty strong endorsement um what was your Oh, so are you a fan of banning HUDs? We did touch on this earlier, but since we're this is at the end and it's a very hot topic uh, relevant to party poker right now, fan of banning HUDs. Yes or no? Yeah. Fedor said yes, and there it is again. He's sticking with it from the start to finish of the show. HUDs are out. Not Fedor endorses it. Who, what is your most epic battle? Who was your most epic battle? Is there ever was there a heads up that was just like Titan for the ages? It couldn't win. You got through it. It was a you know, just like give me one. Hmm. I mean, not really, I would say, a pl person that I battled a lot, but there were a couple players that I played a lot of hands, just naturally played a lot of hands against each other. Um, but I would probably say, yeah, Bonomo. Like, against him, I probably had the most emotional, most emotional hands or bust outs and, like, played a lot of pots against him. Okay. Um, someone asked here, how old are you? 26, July 25th, right? So it's fresh 26? I mean, in like one month, yeah. Oh, it's not June 25th. You're living in the future. That's how, hey, we're in a matrix anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. He's turning 26 in one of the J months. How old are you? There it is, almost 26. Uh, what do you think is the most key pivotal in your poker stretch to have such huge success? And that during that stretch, give us one thing that made you, you just feel like was so important to why you were doing well. Um, or why you do well I don't one know. of the key things was the people around me so their contribution and their input really really helped me succeed so like everyone in their own way like Stefan, Reiner um, Korai like they all contributed something that really helped me like Christian, Ben like they all had their own way of thinking about the game and yeah it was just extremely helpful for me to see their perspective and like widen mine and like become a better player going on an island for four weeks with them insane yeah, it's one of those things too. I mean, I'll say this: I, I'm 32 years old. I I had my poker crew that w during the heyday. You know, now people. I just had a baby. Some of my best friends have two, three kids now. People are married, so it's one of those things. Like those type of trips and moments are things that you just never. You just think, oh, like we'll be 35 and we'll just go and play poker, go on like trips all the time. But life has different stages, and I, during these these years, they're so important. Those moments, those moments, those memories with friends, because you know there is really inflection points in different times where it's like. Like, all right, I'm single, I'm doing this, I'm with my friends, we're having fun, the family, and it's just like those are the those are the moments that you can look back on and just really, you know, cherish because it's like life really does happen fast and it's just uh I, I can say some of those type of trips are just the most memorable and you know that, that, that you get to share and play with your, your core group of friends and be at the top of the uh, top of what you're doing. It's it's pretty special. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh what is the biggest lesson that poker has taught you? To think 
and care about the process, not the result. Beautiful. Results oriented. It's a, it's a real thing. Um, so I don't know. Is this uh, this might be a funny reference or, or a, 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 a I don't know what this means. And maybe he's referring to the other competitor here. What are the most notorious differences you find between the red pike room? I don't know what that means. Red. I don't know. What pike is that a fish and party poker? What are the most differences? Is he referring to? I guess party poker and we know who or what is it? I don't know. Do you know what that means? Does he mean poker stars? Maybe it says red pike or red spike. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think are the difference major differences between party and let's just call on other sites online that you're familiar with? Um, I mean, mostly the way they care about the game, just biggest difference for me. But um, I mean, also lately the action. I mean. They, they put together I mean like 20 million dollar online tournament how often have you played that's true they got another one coming in December um, yeah alright there you go yeah big action big guarantees not afraid to fire best memory in poker um I can't wait to have that problem Fader when someone asks me I, I can just snap tell you my best memories here and there this, that, maybe I'm sorry, there's like two. So on an individual level, it was Barcelona. So like in terms of really like poker, um, live poker win, EPT Barcelona 50K, online, WCOOP, actually 2013, not 14. So 13, one of my best friends back then won the WCOOP. One of my best memories. Like never felt emotions like that, I believe. Um just total craziness and then um just hang really like the time i spent with the the guys like moments like canada where we've been for four weeks and 14 and just grinded the game amazing memories does do you have a new poker goal in mind to reach now very interesting to hear you mentioning that swing moment in your career maybe not adversity but just you know the, the, maybe the shift in perspective in, in terms of uh, allocation of time to grinding and chasing certain uh, goals but is that something you still could you see yourself coming out of I don't like to play on this retirement joke, but just like getting more back into like you see yourself taking time to find yourself doing these business projects, kind of just relaxing. And then could you see yourself getting back into like a meticulous grind of uh, doing another year or two or on the tour? You're so young. It's not like it's poker is going anywhere live. I mean, in a year or two, three, you could just come back and say, you know what? I want to go back into this and do it. Or is it kind of like you think you've hit your peak most likely in terms of volume for live? Do you have a goal? Uh I'm very certain I hit my peak in terms of volume. I mean, in 15 and I think 15 and 16, I played like, I don't know how many, I think I have like 40 caches or like 30 caches in a year or something. So it's, it's a lot of tournaments that I played in these yeah. years. Um, but mainly what I see in the future is really becoming more, I would say, an ambassador, ambassador in the game. So like really um it, as i do with poker code right now like sharing knowledge and um i mean sharing also an approach to poker how you re really can enjoy it and like do not take it too serious as like this game where you have you know where everything is results oriented and you you uh you measure yourself in like how much money you made but rather really focusing on you know enjoying having a great time learning something challenging yourself um, solving some puzzles and um, you know just improving your mindset so I think there's different perspectives to have on poker that are really more enjoyable and fun 
Okay. Yeah. And who, if, if someone asks you the best poker player now, these questions are always really difficult and tough. And I mean, I don't know. Give me, give me what that even means to you. Cause it's just so like cash games, mixed games, tournaments, all these different things. Like who do you think though? Give me a couple names of guys you just kind of, cause you, you pay attention to and you see them yeah. doing very well. Or you your friends who are very immersed, maybe talk about like, wow, this guy's really tough right now or playing great. Or is there any, in some people that stand out? I mean, I'm obviously like everyone is always biased, obviously, but right. I really, really like how Matthias plays. So I am best Matthias Eibinger. Um, it's just his background combined with his approach, like his discipline and his emotional stability and just his very meticulous approach to the game. I think I haven't met many players who work who, like work this way. And the other player I've always really liked is Stevie, Stevie Chidwick. Um, just his his aura and like his approach to the game and like how, um, yeah, how much he really loves the game and the competition um, always really impressed me. Definitely more than I I had. Like he really um, he really has something special about him. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot of Dan Smith just mentioned him on our last podcast as well, and I hear that name a lot. And he does just have that very stone cold, like super calm energy, just positive, but very serious too. And yeah, he's uh, he's really you know he just won the twenty five k PLO. He's definitely I, I, it's no can't really argue with his results. Um, let's see some other funny questions here. Do you how, are we good for like? Can we finish these out, or do you got you have a call coming up here, don't you? Because we got to do a giveaway. Yeah. Uh, we can we can do a couple more. I just let him know. Okay. I'm actually. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we're actually almost. There's not many more. There's a few more, and then we got the giveaway. Um, again, guys, check out Fedor on. He's just updating. He's going to push his call back very slightly here. We got the. He's on Instagram there. Puts up a lot of content. Getting more into content as well. You can see some of his adventures. We got the Twitter primed. You can check out his primed. Uh, mine with Elliot Rowe, their course, and then of course Poker Code. If you want to know when it gets released, it's not out yet. Coming up soon. Check that out. Twitter, obviously, all the good stuff you can see on his Hen and Mob as well. Take a look at the career of Fader Holtz there, and on. Uh, Twitter here, we're just getting out these last few questions. You guys can retweet, be eligible for the fifty-five dollar ticket from Party Poker, and there is. All right, we're going to do a few more, and then we'll, we'll, we'll do the giveaway and run here. Um, how many times do you watch Rounders? I'm sure you've seen it, but do you, is that something you've like Once. Ever, once? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Fedor versus Ben CB, heads up for rolls. That would be a match I would pay pay-per-view. Ben CB, uh, a, a tough tough opponent. Who, who, um, yeah, so that, that's just not even a question. That's just a statement. That would be fun to see. Um, and your, Is this your comeback of your retirement, or would you just be acting as a coach rather than a professional player from now on? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think so, but I'll be in the game. I'll be there. Uh, what do you think of luck in poker? Give me people like to break down the on a hundred out of a pie chart luck and skill. Where where does Fedor think the luck skill ratio breaks out in poker? I think it's impossible to put it on that one dimensional scale. Like, what does it even mean if it's thirty seventy? Like, right. You know, it's. It depends because it, there's different dimensions that change that. Like I always explain it that way to bring on that dimension of time is like, you know, if we play one game, um, it's like, you know, 55, 45 in my favor. If we play like 100 games, it's probably, you know, like in terms of 
in terms of um, me winning more often than you, you know, then it's already um, it's already going heavily in my favor. And if we play a full year, like you have zero chance of winning money against me. So I think it's it's this thing where it's important to really understand how much time matters in that perspective. All right, I see a few more amazing questions. We're going to knock down a couple more, uh, and then we're going to let Fedor run here. Someone, oh, what about the million-dollar tournament? I actually meant to ask about that. The Triton, one million in July, end of July. Is that something, is that, are you playing that? I know it's like kind of a weird format. There's like invite with a businessman, but then the pros play together. It's a pretty, pretty. I guess maybe the largest tournament in the history of poker, right? Because it's a million pound, yeah. not a million US. So to, what do you think about that, and are you playing that? Um, I will... I'm not certain yet. I'm still figuring out, like, as you mentioned, with the businessman thing, like, I'm still figuring out. It's been a bit weird with, like, you know, because then there's somewhat deals involved where it's, like, they want action and stuff like that. So um, I'm talking to one next week when I'm in Vegas um, and see if we can figure out, like, who I can play with. Um, but if not, then I won't play. If I find a businessman who wants to play, I'll play. Yeah, and and that you, what's your what's the over under you think on that? I mean, it sounds like there's I see people getting in registering the the dynamic. It's a curious format how they're doing it. Um, what, what do you think? Is that going to be? I mean, it's going to be the I'm largest there. tournament ever. Yeah, what do you think they'll get for that? Um, probably could be huge. I think it could get forty players. Man, sick. Yeah, it's a sick one. This is those are the new. To, all of a sudden, you win one of that, you just you're just number one, right? I mean, that's the cool part. You're actually playing for that pole position. So I hope you find your way in there. Um, that would be that would be cool. That would be hilarious. Yeah, that would be that would be nice. Well, I have one. I, I take that back. I have one goal in poker. <laughs> it, it could be yeah, a couple about a month out. So that'd be a good birthday present to uh, yeah, turn sure. turn 26 and, and take the one spot. Um, what what gap did you see in the poker training area that prompted you to start Poker Code? That's an interesting question too because there is so much information. Uh, you have your name um, for sure, which people are going to gravitate towards, but what, was, what area did you kind of, did you hone in on that you thought was missing? Um, I, I always wanted this one place where in, like I'm not, deeply explaining you know like every topic for like hours and hours and hours um but i always wanted this one place where you have a starting point to understand every topic. you kind of the thing where it's okay you have this roadmap now to like work on by yourself to like kind of give you the tool set so that whatever level you are you can like go back and rewatch it and it's like oh, okay like this is an approach for me to you know and go deeper into these areas and improve it so when like it's just eliminating these like mistake like these terrible mistakes that people are constantly making you know when it's like you watch it one time and you get awareness for it so i'm basically the course is about raising awareness in these moments where you just make terrible mistakes so like how to play the blinds like how to play multi-way how to play three bet parts how to play you know and and then once you have this understanding this this theoretical understanding everything that comes afterwards you won't change it the next session you, you won't go out and like the next session is just gonna you like crushing everyone but you have that awareness of like every multi-way pot you play from then on you're thinking about huh okay i've learned this let me rethink this and so that's what really is going to kick off your learning curve and your growth so i haven't i've never seen like one course where in an there's there's like these different things where like nick did it really well from a theoretical standpoint but i felt it was really hard to digest and it was like 
you know, it was him talking about like very, very dry theoretical concepts, like very smart guy, super good player. But it, I think this thing where bringing all these together, like great production quality, a good learning platform, um, the best content available, and then also it being like, you know, somewhat easy to digest, like that's basically what we want to achieve. For sure. All right. Well, that's that's really interesting. Uh, there's so these are some amazing questions. Truly, I've, this is uh, this is there's some really. We're gonna do like a couple more here. We'll let Fedor go. I, uh, what was better, your first tourney win or your biggest cash? What was more? I mean, the, the cash of the trophy. I was a interesting conundrum. But what uh, for you was there? Was there one that just felt like, in terms of feeling wise, like enjoyed? Was there like the win or the money? Was there one in particular? Would you say was more in- enjoyable, just in terms of uh, uh, validity? I mean, not the first one, but some of the first were actually some of the most meaningful ones. Yeah. Um, what what hobbies do you enjoy besides poker? Football, traveling, food, um, spending time with my friends. Yeah. Climbing. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot of hobbies. That's a yeah. good, good list. Any advice for people looking to enter the poker world of competitive gaming? Someone who's coming in right now like, man, I think I could do this. What would you give them some advice just to enter this space? Wait a month, watch my course, start play. All right. That's nice. What is the biggest thing you have bought with your earnings? Does Fedor have a, a sweet tooth? Do you get, do you, have you treated yourself in particularly something, a big purchase? Um the apartment i'm living in that you can see in the background looks nice good well played what's the biggest mistake you have made in your poker career um whew. money wise i don't know in in general in your career maybe bankroll management or staking people or i don't know yeah, lending money stuff. who knows i don't know is there anything that you uh... um i would say Whenever I diversified my focus too much, so when I started doing too many things at the same time, that's that is a real thing. That is definitely uh, that's a, that's that's super super interesting. You say that that is for sure. I think that's something that um, a lot of us are guilty of at times. That's 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 great. Um, uh, all right. And another course question: The No Limit Hold'em coaching course you guys are building will be more specific for MTT live or online players. Are cash game players could they take advantage from this course as well? Yeah, it's basically. I would say it's a No Limit focused course that is um, valuable for all players who play No Limit. Um, the big blind stacks we look at are between like twenty and hundred big blinds. So um, it's not specifically tailored towards cash game, but as a cash game player, you can learn a lot, I think, from the course, just from the thought process. Like that's, I think, the key of the baseline. Okay, last question, then we're gonna do the giveaway, which takes two seconds, and then we're gonna let Fedor run on to his day. Fedor, if today was your first day in poker, what would you do, and what would be your next steps? Thank you. So obviously buy your course, other than buying the, the poker code, no, which is a mandatory, what, what else would you be doing? I don't um, like. I'm actually. It's interesting because I'm. I'm so not a salesperson ever. Like I'm. I'm very rarely. But like. Tag me in, Fedor. Tag me in. We'll get it. Let's get a flow promo code going. Let's do this thing. I, but I got Ben CB. I'm loyal, but I, I feel like I want to do it. Go through your course first, and then I want to understand because I think it's okay to do yeah. different variations. So I, Ben CB, man, I got love for him. That's my boy. But we're gonna have yeah, to take for sure. It I mean, Ben's a great player. Yeah. Um. 
actually I would look for people who are better than me who I can create win-win situations with where they profit like where you just have a good symbiosis going on of like you spending time together I think this is the most like it's not even important I think right now to just go out and like start learning or playing but really find people that you can learn together with forums like friends skype in like doesn't matter i think if you're alone you're not gonna make it you gotta get it's lonely don't be lonely out there find friends find forums cards chat other areas there's things you can do and get together congregate yeah bounce ideas don't don't have ego you know realize that maybe you don't know best every single spot in the world to play a hand that's important for sure um all right so fedor i'm gonna let you you we're gonna wind down here we have the tweet from today party poker giving a 55 dollar ticket just for having the young prince on we're gonna let him rng it and tell us when to roll it so we're gonna go ahead when fedor says so someone's gonna win a 55 dollar ticket thanks for all the questions all the retweets i see Instagram, a lot of similar ones. So, stop right now. Boom! Someone is going to win a fifty-five dollar ticket. Biggs Magarick probably didn't say it right, but you have a fifty-five dollar ticket coming from Party Poker and Fedor Holtz. We're going to let him run, man. Fedor, such a treat. I saw your tweet or your your thing about an updated picture. You got some like two thousand twelve photos of us. We got to take one together, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a big big summer. It's gonna be fun yeah. when we get out of here, man. I can't wait to see you, and thank you so much for this, and good luck with the course. I can't wait to check it out. Have a great day, Fedor Holtz, everyone. The legend blessed us today with his presence and the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good night, guys. See you, everyone. Have a great day. And we are going to play day two of the Aria Party Poker Millions. We'll see you there from the streets. And Fedor, have a great day, man. Thank you. Good luck in the tourney. All right. Thanks, bro. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. That's it. I'm going to end the stream. We'll see you soon. We got some special guests coming up. And remember, this is on iTunes. I mean, Spotify, it's all over. We have all the links will be in the below video. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Fedor, really interesting, of course. No question about it. One of the greats of our time, uh, maybe of all time. Um, Really, really special stuff. Uh, That's it. We'll see you soon. I hate quitting you guys. I get separation anxiety. Have a a special, special day. And if you want to see updates, I will be on Instagram, Twitter, um, doing some live updates from the Aria Millions. It's still not too late. Two hours left of registration if you're here in Vegas and you want to get in the five mil guaranteed tournament with over 50 50 blinds exactly to start the day. Uh, That's going on right now. So I'll see you there. Thanks again. Thanks to Fedor. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.